1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. I'm Marina Fogel and in the next few episodes, we're dedicating the podcast to a hand-picked selection of very busy parents who I've managed to persuade to join me and reveal the secrets of how they make it work. (laughs) I'm lucky enough to be joined by one of the busiest mums I think is out there. Since 2013, Giovanna Fletcher has managed to write seven best-selling books, create a podcast that has dominated the iTunes charts, a YouTube channel that has amassed nearly 17 million views. And in the middle of this, she's had two children, Buzz, who's nearly four, and Buddy, who's just two, and just announced a third pregnancy. <laughs> Congratulations, and thank, thank you, you for you coming on. Thank
3: you very much. Yep, I'm, I'm adding to the brood. <laughs> adding to the craziness. <laughs> adding to your list of to-dos. Amazing.
2: Yep. <laughs> I'm actually feeling a bit dizzy, reading. Really off of all the things you've managed to achieve yeah. in a year when I, I struggle to wash my hair you know more than <laughs> than once a week um, how do you manage to fit this all in you know was know. it was this always the idea were you no. always going to be a writer Uh, no.
3: So I went to drama school and even, even when I was there, part of me thought, you know, when uh, me and Tom were already together and I just thought maybe when I'm, when I'm older, when I'm ready to have kids, I'll do what my mum did and, you know, and not work and look after the children. That was my sole focus. And then literally the year before we got married, I, um, I just had this idea that I was going to write a book. I was an actress at the time. I was bored of waiting for the phone to ring. Uh, I felt like my life was controlled by the people rather than myself. And I just took a year out, started writing, didn't know what was going to happen with it. And then luckily at the end of it, um, Penguin signed it. And I did that, you know, that thing that most of us do. We send out books to various different, uh, luckily I had an agent Said so various different publishers and people were like, no, no, no. But Penguin sort of, what well, they just believed in me straight away so yeah just happened to be the biggest publishing house no, in I mean, yeah if you're <laughs> gonna get one that's the one to get and then so that was um just a month before we got married I signed that deal and then it's just gone a bit crazy since then so yeah from thinking I was going to be a stay-at-home mum and uh, the boys were going to be my thing that I did every day now I am doing that I'm still a full-time mum I don't believe that you're ever a half-time mum or a part-time mum um but I'm just adding everything else
2: but I guess it's one of these jobs that gives you the ultimate flexibility you know you don't need to be writing during office hours
3: no exactly I just can't do it in my pajamas anymore you know before kids I used to wake up at you know 10 o'clock have a shower get into new pajamas have breakfast you know dwindle away time on social media and then get but well, I'd read what I did the day before. Then I'd have lunch. Then I'd be tired, so I'd have a nap. Probably wouldn't actually start writing until three o'clock in the afternoon, three till like nine o'clock at night. Um, and that was my day. Whereas now it's much more structured, and it has to be, I think, to be able to fit it all in.
2: Well, you have to be incredibly disciplined. Would do you do? Would you turn off social media so that you can focus on what you're writing? Or I should. <laughs> that's the thing I don't, still I, manage don't, it. I
3: still. yeah I still keep it on there um but when I'm really on deadline I, I do have to have a word with myself and kind of go it's okay it's okay if you don't scroll down to the last picture that you saw on Instagram <laughs> life carries on it's
2: fine <laughs> and did you grow up in this kind of household you know this this I mean it's a huge thing that you've done and is this something that your parents sort of were your were you, was your mum a working mum or my mum no my mum stayed at home with
3: us mm. until we were in secondary school and uh, and once uh, my brother Mario started secondary school she went off and got a job at a local estate agents um, she used to work before she had us uh, in a bank actually but she had really bad arthritis in her wrist so she had to stop anyway um, and then my dad um, he came over from Italy when he was 19 literally uh, he came, uh, carried two suitcases one of clothes and the other had um, pasta and tomato sauce like a, like that wasn't gonna be here <laughs> um and so dad over here he he opened um a calf and uh, so he used to leave home at like four o'clock in the morning to get there and used to get home at like maybe five and was always asleep on the sofa because he were so knackered um but i think you know there was just a real emphasis on working hard um I got my first job in a florist when I was 13. Literally, the day I turned 13, I was like, All "Right, I'm going to get a job." And I went to my local florist, and um, and uh, well, actually, I went everywhere in the village. Uh, but it was it was uh, about a week or a couple of weeks before Valentine's Day, and so they asked me if I'd come in and just help out, and I became their bucket girl. And so every Saturday I would do that and then after that they gave me the keys even though I was 13 and I could go in and open on like holidays and things. I think I've just really enjoyed it. I like meeting people. I like hearing people's stories. Um, Yeah, I I think I just like, I really enjoy working.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I must say, I I find that I thrive. I definitely, as a mother, my experience as a mother, because I stopped working after I had Ludo. Mm. And then I needed something else after I had Iona. And I remember so well Ben saying to me about, it must have been about six or seven months after I'd started the bump class. He Mm. said, the change in you is extraordinary. And I hadn't noticed it in myself. And yet the person who was closest to me had sort of said, what a change. I'm so, you know, and I think it's that confidence too. When you're not working, you sort of, I remember thinking, I'm really boring because I didn't do anything apart from wipe <laughs> my two-year-old's bottom and, you know, play Build a Tower. And then when I was surrounded by people that were doing amazing things, I just I felt very vulnerable. It's funny though, isn't it? I think there, there is a case of people feeling like
3: they have to compare themselves to other people and, oh, that person's doing that, so maybe I should do that. And actually, I think it, I think there is a... A worry actually that that people that mums might see other mums and feel like they have to do stuff but I think it is it's so important that you actually do what's right for you and what works for you don't feel like you have to go off and do that thing if you don't if you know if you are comfortable being with your children and um you know and that being your world and not having that because I feel like we both not necessarily need the other stuff I don't I don't feel like my world would be over if I you know, didn't write another book or I don't know, I don't know about that. It wouldn't be over, but I definitely would miss it. Um,
2: but, um, but that vulnerability is something I think that humans have it's never perfect is it you never get to the end of the day you never look at your life and think yep I've done everything right however well you're doing there's always going to be a degree of vulnerability and I think that's just probably because our brains are too sophisticated as beings don't you think that envy animals don't have envy you don't get one dog looking at the other dog going oh it's a really (laughs) nice sleek (laughs) coat why can't my coat look like that you know we're sort of almost too sophisticated and I think that if you accept that you're never going to be 100% content and that's because yeah. of a physiological part of our brain mm. and to accept that and think well I'm doing pretty well I'm pretty happy yeah
3: yeah I mean I do look at people who are with their kids a lot and I think oh, I, I I need a bit more of that but, I, but then me and Tom sit down every now and then and go yep something's got to give and we kind of have a little rejig <laughs> and we rebalance things and and we kind of chill out a little bit and just make sure that we have that really focused time because you know we were talking before we recorded the podcast that when things come to an end when we're at the end of our lives we're never never gonna say I wish I worked more I know you know we're gonna say you know thank god I spent that time with my kids you know not thank god I got that extra book in yeah um and I think that is always (laughs) something to kind of keep in my mind and I follow people on Instagram actually that just keep that in my brain so that when I'm you know bogged down with book deadlines or I'm just overwhelmed with a workload I can kind of keep perspective Mm. that's really important to do
2: you're right because otherwise a huge amount of your emotional headspace is taken up with you're not good enough and you know, yeah. like I said, every one of us tells ourselves that we're not good enough mm. so that's really interesting that you sit down with Tom and you sort of refocus I think that's really important because yeah. you know when I was thinking about this podcast and you and the questions that I was going to ask you we're sort of similar in that we both have husbands who are very busy themselves very mm-hmm. sought after themselves aren't necessarily around a huge amount yeah. Um, and that can be quite tricky because you know I think a lot of successful women rely on someone scooping up the pieces mm-hmm. and being at home when they're not able to be at home which you probably can't do that much
3: no and and you know we sit down at the end of the weekend and try and plan the week ahead Earth. when are you here, oh I'm here, you know, as much as you try and coordinate diaries. it doesn't really work. um but we uh Tom's parents are amazing and uh, and and they are there to scoop when we need them and um and and they have been absolutely incredible. I literally I felt so bad when we were sitting down to tell them that we were having a third though
2: <laughs>
3: as much as it' was a great thing for me and Tom, we realize that it's going to impact on their lives as well. um but it's great and uh, and we're very lucky that um you know, rather than them working in schools that they used to, they're both, uh, Bob was a caretaker and uh, Debbie was a uh, a special needs um, teacher. Um, Rather than them doing that, they're now looking after our children as their, you know, as their full-time jobs. And uh, so we feel really lucky that we can have them in our, you know, as our support network. Yeah, I feel free
2: way, really. Exactly. Well, you kind of, if anything, I sort of want to, my children to spend as much time with my parents and Ben's parents because it's such a special relationship and you see grandparents also talking about how they approach the parenting thing in a so much more relaxed way when Mm -hmm. it's their grandchildren. They love them and they feel that bond. But they're also not worried about whether or not their homework's in on time or whether they know their four times table. They're sort of a bit more relaxed about life and probably the way that we should be.
3: Yeah, I think if I look back to my grandparents, and I I don't have any grandparents now, sadly, but if I look back to um, my English, my nan, I never knew my granddad, but my nan, I can just remember her. uh, We used to go to hers on a weekly basis and take her around the supermarket. Pocket. and she's just used to you know sing her way around while she did her shopping list and that's where I got my love of like musical theater and uh, and I, I just you know her house was always orange because she had these massive orange curtains that always used to be closed and it always sank of cigarettes because she was permanently like smoking like a chimney um but there was something just really special about our bond I just idolized her and then my dad's parents um their relationship, like, neither of them spoke English. We don't speak Italian. You know, I can say the odd bit, but not not really, not on their level, not fluently, not enough to have, ever have a conversation. But I felt like there was such a bond, like I knew them. Um, so for us to be able to, to know that our kids are going to have special relationships with their grandparents, is just it's just so special, you know. And for us to be able to facilitate that and and help that along so that everyone's, you know, everyone's, no one's suffering from it um yeah that kind of that makes me work in a guilt-free way I guess knowing that they're with people that love them as much as we do
2: yeah I'm so lucky I think that um you know in today's culture today's mother they're more likely to work than they did a generation ago and probably because there's greater job flexibility I mean certainly what I call myself a, a, a broadcaster a podcaster you know that job <laughs> didn't even exist uh, when my when my mother was my age so I think there's obviously a greater sort of diversity of jobs now. But
3: things cost a lot more as well mm. both parents generally need to work because how else are they going to be able to afford to live you know and, and that's a really sad way of looking at it um, but then for others the, ch- the cost of childcare doesn't doesn't cover them actually leaving the house. So you can kind of understand both, both, you know, where either mum is coming from. Um, uh, but yeah, there's yeah, lots of people work now.
2: But I suppose on the upside to technology for all its sins mm. has made life a bit more certainly like the life of mother the job that a tradition a mother traditionally does you know mm. sorting out the house doing the shopping I mean I do my weekly shop online on an app it takes me two <laughs> yeah. and a half minutes on usually while I'm on the loo <laughs> yeah. you know something I can, oh, I no, can I'm, probably... I'm tweeting on the loo I'm <laughs> tweeting on the loo doing my doing my supermarket shop on the train <laughs> and that technology obviously makes a huge difference what, what are your kind of like apps that you couldn't oh, do without the supermarkets apps are the best. Amazon, all um, oh, the
3: clothes shops. I do anything, anything like that online. I can't remember the last time I actually went shopping. I have no interest in going shopping. But I, I think that may be something that my mum ingrained in us growing up because we always were getting on the bus to Romford Market and then walking around and following her around and um, sat on sat in the changing rooms while she was trying stuff on or forcing us into stuff. And I just, I just really don't like the idea of it I think I remember taking buzz when he was four months old into into the shops uh into the shops because I had to get a dress for a wedding you know I faffed around with the pram and got it into the fitting room and, and it was all absolutely fine um but having two and you know one in a pram the other one could run off I just I just have the fear I have the fear of a child running off um and there's no need there's no need now And they hate it too they hate it yeah yeah
2: and uh, no I, it's so much better doing a kind of shop like whenever I feel like I need a bit of a wardrobe update I'll literally just you know get your Zara online amazing and you get a huge delivery and you send it all back yeah you know the exactly. stuff that you don't need I told need mom's tro- forever
3: doing that <laughs> forever we've got different weddings to go to she's like I bought so many outfits of different sizes <laughs> and then they all get sent back
2: <laughs> I remember vividly the first Christmas that I kind of wrote the list of all the Christmas presents I needed to buy for godchildren and nieces and nephews and friends children and yeah. my children and stockings. I hope my children are not listening to this.
1: <laughs> and for Santa, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> for him to find place in the stocking. Um, and I remember writing a list and then like sitting, I curled up in front of the fire and I did the whole lot online. And I thought, that amazing. A, traditionally, would have taken me a month. Yep. A month of skipping off in between, you know, interviews and uh, meetings to go and do a little bit of shopping and just done in one evening well
3: I think you really think about what you're buying someone when you do it online because you look around at different places and whereas if you have to go around different shops and it's actually for me sometimes it's more a case of what's there that that person might like what can I kind of shoehorn (laughs) into me telling myself I would like that that person would like and and actually when you're online you can kind of look around a bit more and find something that's maybe a bit more suitable
2: yeah and also you can look at the reviews online and exactly. see whether it actually works, especially yes. with children's toys that are often yeah. so badly made. And yep. then you think, what a shame, you know, it's just not fair giving a present a child some walkie talkies that don't work.
3: But the reviews do, do my nut in sometimes as well. We're currently looking at baby monitors just because our one we've had for a few years and, um, and Buddy's moving rooms and we just want just to update it a little bit. And uh, and Tom is just going from different website to different website, looking at different reviews. <laughs> I'm just like just buy one, just just pick one you think's good, looks good. Read through, read through some reviews on one site, and then just buy
2: it. Um, but we just get a bit carried away. Yeah, if you'd spent the time writing songs instead of researching, <laughs> you could have bought like 10. <laughs> could have bought them all and decided which is the best. <laughs> um, so just talking about Christmas lists, last Christmas you and Tom performed in your sellout show, The Christmas yeah. Uh which was a huge success. You mentioned to me that you took, two days off over Christmas, yes. uh, Christmas Day and Boxing Day <laughs> <Yeah>. was it, <laughs> that's got to be hard, like as a mum, yeah. I mean I am increasingly, you know, Ludo and I are now six and eight and mm-hmm. I de- I've got to go and work tonight, I've got to go and teach class tonight and already have had mummy, why do you have to go and yeah. work, we want you to put us to bed, why do you, and it's quite a big thing for mums, I think it's a very healthy thing for us to convey to our children that we have to work and that we enjoy working, mm. how, how do you deal with that?
3: Well we've had it recently with Buddy where as soon as he's the youngest one who's just turned two uh whenever he sees us with our coat on it's he doesn't he doesn't really talk yet but he really registers that we are leaving and uh sometimes he'll look at our coat and really frown it and kind of grunt at us and uh and (laughs) and we're like oh no like he knows that we're going and and so he's only just started really registering and and will cry but that's if we sort of leave the house to do anything you know um a buzz noticed so the one who's almost four uh tom was really smartly dressed the other night to go out for dinner i think um for a works thing and uh and i think buzz said something like i don't like it when you wear clothes like that daddy because i know you're going out and you know uh, it's so heartbreaking Then doing the show it was such an amazing thing to do. And what was incredible was um, Tom's sister was in it as well. Two of uh, Tom's bandmates were in it uh, and our dressing room. So it was me and Tom in a dressing room. And then uh, his, his sister was in a different dressing room somewhere else. And we were like, well, let's just all be together. Uh, and so it was all three of us spending Christmas the most amount of time we've ever spent together. And then it was Christmas as well. So it was brilliant. And it just meant that Tom's parents could come along. The kids could come. And it felt like actually it was a it was a family show in the sense that the boys, the boys came to see it three times, and they loved it. And they sit and watch the whole thing. And um I think maybe maybe something you, it will become harder once they get older. But then hopefully they'll be able to be more involved. And I mean, do you think they would, stage, they would? be in I mean, it. I don't know, but I feel like they'd be able to be backstage. And I mean, I you know, if I wasn't in a show in my local amateur group, I'd be doing the props or the lighting or something. um I just I think it's a lovely environment to to be in. Um, yeah, I just.
2: I, and did I, you ever get to the stage where you thought I just need a bit of a break now, or do you just <laughs> love that atmosphere? And
3: in terms of the Christmas stories, yeah, no, I didn't. I think because we we only started rehearsing at the end of November and we finished at the end of December. I mean, I can't imagine what parents or, you know, mums that are in West End shows that are relentless for a whole year. I can't imagine how they feel.
2: Yeah, and it's Hamlet and it's a bit harder to sort of justify mean, to your 4 you, old Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's not Christmas. It's not a dinosaur. There's no Santa. Um, yeah, so for us, it was just a really fun thing to work on. Um, and in terms, even when you were doing sort of book tours or I went to Amman um, for Copperfield to do a trek, uh and i did feel terrible because we were going away for i was going away for 6 days um but on the flip side of that i'm going away for an amazing charity to do an amazing thing it's an amazing thing for me to say that i've achieved and how great for our boys to see their mum or dad doing something like that um yeah so as much as i know that me being there is really important and nothing can compare to the, to the love of, of a mum or and a dad i think actually seeing one of your um parents going off
2: and achieving their dreams and and know. enjoying it yeah it's a good message isn't to send your children too isn't it that yeah you know we love working that it's a big part of who we are and yes i'm your mummy but i'm also me yeah. and i that's something that i quite like to convey to my kids yeah. that independence and well
3: because no one questions it if a dad goes off no so i think we are kind of shifting that slightly now um you know um I always remember, I think the, the questions that mums are asked in terms of dads and stuff are always a bit scoo-if. I can remember when we first had Buzz, the amount of times I got asked, so is Tom a good dad? I was always like, well, you wouldn't turn around and ask Tom, is she is a good mum? That's rude. Yeah. So how is it not rude the other way around? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, we live a very balanced <laughs> household, <laughs> which is good because they're boys and I want them to respect, you know, if they if they have wives in the future, then I want them to respect
2: them, you know yeah well a generation ago it was totally normal for men fathers not to be there at the birth of their babies and you know people who don't change their babies nappies you know Mm -hmm. it's it now hits the news when a politician (laughs) says openly that he doesn't change his children's nappies
3: (laughs) it's so funny isn't it but then my dad will now look after the boys and he will do that and my mum will say well he never did it when he never did it when you were young but he didn't have to because you were there Whereas now, if he has, he, if he looks after the children, he he knows that that's his his responsibility, and he doesn't moan, he doesn't grumble. It's just, I think that's that mindset of men just assumed it wasn't
2: their role. Oh, well, they were told by society it wasn't their yeah. role, and it would almost be like they were sort of frowned upon, and uh, yeah, people people sort of laughed at them if they did. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. I think one of the things that I love about you and your podcast and all the work that you've done, especially along the kind of mum route is that you're so honest and <laughs> honest parenting is a new thing. I really mm. do. You know, you had the advent of social media where everything is depicted as perfect and every mother knows that very little of it is perfect. Um, Have you always been that honest? Have you always been someone who really kind of shares with your friends? And at what point during the kind of, you know, you've been really honest about your your miscarriages Mm -hmm. and about your worries about getting pregnant? And I think that that is really lovely for people to hear because you're never alone in that. At what point did you make a decision that you were going to be really honest about these sort of very personal things in your life?
3: I think I, I think it happened quite naturally when I had buzz. I was just sharing things on Instagram and on the blog and didn't really think about it. Uh And then, when I decided to write a book, i just i was looking at the books that were out there, and I just thought there are books that are advice, and I'm not about advice, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm not an expert and uh so I wouldn't want to write a book like that. So, if I was to write a book about being a mum, what would that be And I actually thought, well, I can share my experiences and 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 in a, a non judgmental way and just as a as a kind of way of of sharing the things that had happened that I didn't realize were going to happen <laughs> and uh, and just see if they helped. And not even to see if they helped other people. I just thought, let's just get it out. And, and so when I first, uh, I wrote the first draft, I thought to myself, let's just get it all out. Let's include the miscarriage. Let's include everything from passing bloody clots to leaky boobs and squirting at my friend across. Let's just include it all. And then if I get to the end and think oh I can't include that I don't actually I don't want it out there I don't then I can take it out and uh and I got to the end and I just thought I don't want to take anything out actually because that is my whole that's the whole version of me as a mum you if you start cutting bits of that out then you're only showing clips and it's not a full picture And I think when you're sharing something like a miscarriage and, you you know, from from your columns and stuff, when you're writing something in your words and you're allowed a proper amount of words to express yourself in, it's very different to doing an interview in a magazine where you can say a couple of sentences or you might say a paragraph. You might say, you might be talking for five minutes on that one question and they will take out two lines. And all of a sudden that headline is something that you didn't, or you you might have said, but it's been taken completely out of, context or sensationalized or whereas if it's you you're kind of safe in that you know and uh, and and so that's why I shared in the way that I did I think and and, and I didn't talk about my miscarriage until it was in that book and uh, and once it was written like that I actually now I feel much safer talking about it because all of a sudden I realized that it happens to so many people and that's what I didn't have realized at the time and it's only through working with Tommy's actually um, which actually, interestingly, I, I started, I said that I would host last year's Tommy's and, um, the book was published a couple of weeks after that, but I hadn't told Tom- Tommies I'd had a miscarriage or anything like that. I just loved what the charity did and started supporting them, but they didn't even know why I had that, you know, why I was sort of drawn to them. Um, but it is an important thing to talk about.
2: It is. And you know, what struck me reading um, your book was that when you were describing having had your miscarriage, you were utterly bereft and you needed your friends. But because you hadn't told anyone, because as a society, we're told keep it secret till it's 12 weeks, you felt that you couldn't ask anyone for their support. You felt, and I felt the same because I had a miscarriage with my first and I hadn't really told any many people. And you can't ring people up and go, I haven't told you that I was pregnant, but now I need you to support me and pick up the pieces. You yeah. feel a bit guilty about that. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I personally think that's something that needs to be slowly changed. I'm not saying put it on Facebook and tell everyone that you're pregnant the moment you find out, but have a good think about people that you do who support you do need. And that might even be your work actually, mm-hmm. because actually your employer is probably a really good person to know that you're pregnant so that they know you're not bunking off work because you're hungover. Yeah. Um So. You know, things well, like even this so. time
3: around, you know, the, the first person that I called with the news was my manager, because we had so many things set up for this year that have to change, and I just, I, I needed her to tell me, great, we've, we've got this, we can, we can work around this straight mm-hmm. away, um, in terms of actually being pregnant, and, uh, and you know, we both knew that things, the things happen, and, um, uh, you know, and I could miscarriage, and you know, and still, I kind of. don't know I think well I don't know whether it's just because I I had a miscarriage first time around or whether it's just because I just I don't rest until the baby's in my arms Mm -hmm. and um and literally I think when I'm pregnant every day is a is a step in the right direction you know what I mean I just okay I got through that day I got Mm -hmm. through that week and like we're, we're we're getting closer getting closer um and I don't know whether I would feel like that if i hadn't have had that miscarriage i wonder yeah. if i'd have just been completely oblivious to anything ever going wrong
2: well i remember i had a missed miscarriage so i didn't even have a uh, any signs and right. i didn't even realize that could happen that you cannot have a bleed everything and then there's no heartbeat and your body hasn't realized that you've miscarried because oh. um, i think everyone associates with as long as you don't bleed then you're fine but yeah. it's, it's not actually the case so at all so
3: is that only if you have a scan then that you re- Yeah. So, oh. so i found
2: out my 12 week scan and, Ooh, and
3: <laughs> that's awful because at that point you just think you're in the cl- in, you're yeah, in the safe zone
2: totally totally because no one talks about yeah. miscarriages and so it's great that we're having these yeah. conversations and people like you and so many others um are really really honest about their experiences so mm. that dads as well understand that you know i don't sure you and ben knew what a miscarriage was before i was pregnant and, and experienced it
3: well and how dads sort of cope with it as well you know um and and again that's something that so i i wrote that section of the book and handed it over to tom to to read and and he you know he, he came back to me in floods of tears i didn't actually tell him what he was about to read so it was my bad um but uh he hadn't realized that what i had gone through and interestingly so we recorded a podcast together a little while ago and and for him it only really hit home what had happened once we had buzz you know you start looking back and kind of going oh the other child that we could have had and you know, for me, I think Buzz will always be my silver lining. You know, if I if that if that pregnancy had gone full term, then I wouldn't have Buzz, and um, and so if, uh, you know, I'm very very thankful that I have my little silver lining.
2: <laughs> I know, I feel the same. <laughs> now, one of the things that um, I think a lot of women aren't prepared for when they have baby is is they often lose a lot of confidence. Mm. I see it on a regular basis. You know, I see women who come and do the bump class the whole time and they're confident and they're confident in the way they look and the way they behave and they're in control. And they suddenly have a baby and everything changes and however well prepared for, for that moment that you are, it just like overwhelms you. And I think then when you start creeping out of that fold of babydom you often at a sort of six seven eight months maybe a year later and then it's time to start thinking about working again start get being the you you've you've lost a lot of confidence Mm. and it's something that you you've talked about that um after having buzz you've you felt you lost but yet you've managed to produce more than a book a year (laughs) like was there anything that sort of made you think okay come on get on with it or
3: I had a book deadline. I had a book. That I I'd, I tied myself in, and I knew that when uh, Buzz was five and a half months, almost six months, that I'd have to start writing again to be able to reach that deadline. And um, and I can remember around five months, he just started really showing his personality, and I knew it was going to be the toughest thing ever. You know, suddenly I was getting I was getting stuff back. That interaction was a two way thing, and knowing that I wasn't going to be there with him every day was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, that fog really sort of ate me up at the beginning just because I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. I thought I was going to be an earth mother. I thought it was all going to come so naturally. And actually what happened was I was just stood in the middle of the room. So on so many occasions, just crying, going, I don't know. Literally, I'd say to friends, I meant to be able to distinguish between the different cries and I can't. It just sounds like a cry. Do you? Th- that know is what the biggest saying? lie. <laughs> Do you know I what remember being told heart? that too. <laughs> It's ridiculous. And I just think it puts on so much pressure. Um, and then, funnily enough, I started vlogging. So I started my YouTube channel and writing the next book at the same time, in that September. And it was brilliant. And, f- and weirdly, so Tom said to me, the first time I did a, a vlog, I'd gone to Italy for a family holiday and I thought I'd film while I was there. Buzz was meeting my nonna. And, uh, and, uh, and Tom just said to me, um, just treat the camera like it's your friend. And I can remember... Sitting down to you know film the outro of the video that was just like a montage video, and thought, oh, this is awkward. But the more I got into it, and the more I saw that camera as my friend, the more I realized how much confidence it was giving me. And it's so weird because it's a camera, you know. It's like having a relationship with this microphone, you know. It's it's weird, but you're kind of going through the lens, and you're and you're talking to the other people the other side, whether they're mums or you know people that are just I don't know, feeling a little bit lost or or just. Just wanting that little bit of happiness. And I feel so happy when I'm filming. It's so strange. It's so strange. Um, yeah, but that's kind of where that the whole channel came from really. It's me kind of going, I'm always on my own. I'm writing books. But writing books is so isolating. Being a mum is so isolating.
2: Which is why I think podcasts are great, because then you've got, like, your friend.
3: (laughs) Exactly. I feel like I'm having an intellectual conversation when I'm off listening to a podcast. It's amazing. (laughs) It's just, you just haven't said anything the whole conversation, but it's great.
2: (laughs) Did you find that structuring your days helped? I mean, because obviously from what you've talked about you know almost a little baby step getting something back you know yeah. filming uh, and realizing it wasn't that bad realizing that you're the camera's your friend and then presumably yeah. also getting feedback from your editor when you're writing books that it's almost like people reminding you that you should be confident because yeah. you're blimmin' amazing
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is It is that and um and in terms of uh, structure i i i make sure that i have time that is family time and i set that away completely but when you've got so much to do, I do feel it's important to say nine to half past three these days I'm working. And then when the kids go to bed, and that, that is kind of guilt time. I do, I do feel guilty writing in those hours, but they could be longer and they're not. And then the, once the kids go to bed at seven, sometimes half past seven, depends how, you know, kind Buzz is being to us. The firstborn is is a difficult one to get to sleep. Still, uh, whereas Buddy just just happy for you to say goodnight. Um, and then from seven until maybe ten, we'll start writing again or working. Both of us in our separate rooms. And then maybe around ten, we'll come back together and maybe watch an episode of Peaky Blinders or do something together. And then um, and then we, yeah, we go to bed possibly a bit too late. And then the kids are up. Well, buddy's up at quarter past five at the moment it's atrocious. So I did get a full four hours with him before I had to start work.
2: Well, how much sleep do you get?
3: Uh, five to six hours. Oh
2: my gosh, you're amazing. I mean, I need at least eight. Well. Otherwise I'm a disaster. The
3: thing is though, so I th- if I think back to last year where I was really in my peak of busyness, busyness I was writing the mum book, well, and, uh, the year before last yeah the start the just the turn of last year so I was writing the mum book me and Tom had started Eve of Man uh, I was writing my uh, some kind of wonderful so I had three books on the go um you know <laughs> I had so many things that were sort of that I was working on and I was I was sleeping five hours a night and felt amazing I literally wasn't drinking caffeine I was feeling like on cloud line, cloud nine I was telling people how I felt the most awake I'd felt in years and uh, and then we went on holiday and we were going to bed not long after the boys went to bed. And I was probably getting about eight or nine hours of sleep a night. And I came back and I felt absolutely shattered. <laughs> so funny, isn't it? And then it took me ages to kind of work up, being able to, like training myself that, no, you don't need that sleep. You're better without it. But now I'm, you know, and actually not on the caffeine now because I'm pregnant, but um, I was back on the caffeine. I had this one day, it was Buzz's first day uh, at the nursery of the school that he'll be going to this year. And uh, so uh, I was, I sort of thought to myself, uh, it was a week before deadline, I thought I'd take myself off to this coffee shop and get, you know, really like really focused right in time. Cause when you're at home, it's so distracting. The washing can be done. There's something to clear away. There's always a pile of stuff to be 17 done. 17
2: Amazon deliveries. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
3: Exactly. And, uh, and so I thought I would just take myself away and then it got to half past 11 in the daytime. And I just thought, I'm so tired. I could literally put my head down here and sleep. And so I ordered a coffee, <laughs> bearing in mind I hadn't drunk coffee for 15, 15 months by this point, and it came with this little biscuit, and my maiden name, um, so my dad's uh, surname is Falcone, and obviously I call my nan Nonna, and she passed away uh, last year, and this biscuit came out, and on it said Nonna Falcone, and I just think it was that little bit of a boost to kind of going, yes, you can do it, so I had my cup of, co- cup of coffee, and it was really productive, Yeah, she she was sending
2: you that coffee. She was sending me that coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Um one thing that you and I share too obviously is, is husbands that are away a lot you've yep. talked about in, in I think it was in one of your podcasts you talked about how um, Tom went away shortly after Buzz was born, he yeah. was on tour wasn't he yes. doing a great big tour and I had a similar thing, I remember Ben was filming something, I have never seen someone so happy to get onto an Ethiopian <laughs> Airlines flight uh, when Ludo was about two weeks old and he was like yay I could sleep for more than three hours, it's tough though isn't it, how do, mm. how do you cope when you're on your own and especially in those vulnerable days when your baby She's just born and you don't know what you're doing. No, you
3: don't. And uh, and I find that I mean my sister's a massive help. And now she's just had a little girl herself. She's, you know, we're, we're in it together and it's incredible. Um I kind of I find it easier if I don't see loads of people. You know what I mean? I feel like I find it quite difficult to mother in front of other people. And I don't know why. I just kind of feel like judged. It's really mm. weird. It's really weird. Um, well, so you often
2: ignore your children because you're focused on being polite to your guests. Yeah, and then yeah. it's just like oh, kind of not that's really a bit the point. Rubbish,
3: yeah, and especially with um, with Buzz when he was so young, I kind of I was over. But by, by the time Tom went away, I was over the people coming over for newborn cuddles. I just wanted to get to know him, but actually. We actually went and and met Tom on tour uh, and we got to stay in a hotel for two weeks when Buzz was six weeks old. And it was the most incredible thing because feeding had been really difficult and um, it just gave us two weeks of just literally being able to just be me and him, no visitors, no having to worry about the cooking or the cleaning or anything. And we just literally got to really bond. So it was incredible. Um, But when Tom's away, I mean... I think my family have always been amazing. That and Yeah, I just, I'd have them round. we'd go for walks, eat ice cream.
2: And I think in the absence of having family, you know, women often, they have their sort of, their gang of girls yeah. or other mums who then suddenly become really good friends. Often, you mm. know, it's the mum you've met in your antenatal class, who you didn't know six months yeah. previously, who suddenly knows every part of your life and you yeah. see her on a daily basis and your kids get on and... I think it's that company that's really important. That's sort of what I miss, is yeah. adult conversation. See, we it's...
3: never did antenatal classes or, you know, NCT or anything like that. And, and just because at the time, Tom couldn't really commit to, you know, that one day a week. And it's something I was really gutted about. Um, but I remember when just before Buzz turned 10 weeks, I was like, he needs to do some groups. You know, he needs to... Why? Why does a 10-week-old need to do so many groups? But I signed him up to four different classes. So at one go, we started... Um, Uh, baby sensory swimming um uh uh, sign language and oh this uh, baby massage why why how's the
2: sign language now (laughs) I mean it's
3: amazing (laughs) um but you know literally I spent the whole time worrying that he was going to cry worrying I'd have to get out a dummy because I hated the very thought of my son having a dummy then at four weeks I literally caved and was like I I I'm not a walking dummy. He needs his, he doesn't even want milk. He just wants that comfort and and I need to sleep because Tom was away as well. I literally, I think there were a few nights where I was literally getting no sleep and I just thought, let's just try it. And and it was fine when he was, so I used to do it so he'd have it to sleep and then as soon as he was asleep, I'd kind of take it out so that he didn't, you know, depend on it too much. and uh, and uh, But then that thought of being in class and just panicking, it wasn't about the bond at all when I was in classes. I was literally just willing him not to cry. Um, yeah, but then Tom
2: loves those classes. Tom absolutely loves going (laughs) to those classes. It's so funny. Uh, And then in terms of time together, I mean, that's obviously Mm. really important. And again, something I see kind of women overlooking, you know, your baby arrives and you fall head over heels in Mm. love with your child. And obviously your partner is really important in that dynamic. But it's so exhausting (laughs) for a parent. One of the things I would say to the bump class is like like, invest in your relationship because it never thrives unless you know there is some some attention and energy given to it how do you guys make time for each other I mean you have sort of alluded to the fact that you do a bit of writing together does that involve you being actually in the same room no
3: so writing a trilogy and actually the way that we've done it is there are two central characters so i write i write one and tom writes the other one and we kind of take it in turns so whoever's not writing is actually with the kids so it's a nice way of doing childcare, um and then you kind of bounce it around so we are spending time together i think promo will be nice because we will definitely be together for that and uh, and usually so the planning stages is very much us two together and kind of i think this time around we're really um, but we, it's amazing, actually. We just stick loads of pictures around our house, and it looks like a bit of a crime scene, actually. You know, you see on the movies where there's like, you know, loads of faces everywhere. Um, uh, but we love that. We love doing that. And um, what do you do to relax together? Like, what do you? Have? Box sets. We yeah. love watching box sets together with a glass of wine. Obviously, not now. Um, but
2: do you ever go away together, just the two of you? No,
3: we're not there yet. We're not there. I kind of. I don't know I think for us because we are so busy our time together is family time and I think we're both happy with that yeah I know we're both happy with that yeah and um yeah I don't I don't feel the need obviously it's a nice when we go out I can remember must have been January January this year going out for my birthday or something and and or maybe it was last year I think it was for our anniversary actually and we went out and it was a Saturday night in town I can just remember looking around at the other people in the restaurant and seeing people smiling and like laughing and and just chatting and stuff and being just so giddy at the thought of, look at us out. This is amazing. This is life right here. Um, but I don't think that we lack anything by not having that so much. I mean, obviously, it'll be nicer once the kids are older to be able to kind of go, oh, we're off for a weekend. Have fun. Yeah, with your nan and granddad. Yeah, because uh, you know I can remember going to my nan's over the weekend and absolutely having a ball. Yeah. so I don't feel like I'm going to be guilty when we do that.
2: Yeah, I think I, you know, I, I, do. We do try and go away just the two of us, but not for very long. And it's because I miss them too much. I yeah. need them, and I'm also aware that, you know, they're six and eight, and it's not going to be that long before they don't want me as much I as I want them, and that this, this time is very precious. Mm. people always say because ben's about to climb everest people always say you're going up to base camp and i would love <laughs> to go and spend a season up there it's something i'd love to do yeah. but there's just no way i could spend that time away from the kids at this stage
3: so hard isn't it i've always said that when we hit 10 years when we get to our 10 year anniversary wedding anniversary um that we will go back to our honeymoon destination which is you know a couple only mm-hmm. resort in st lucia and uh, and that's only four years away now so countdown has begun. Yeah.
2: How many books will you have squeezed out, and how many babies <laughs> will you have squeezed out between then and now?
3: Honestly, my writing schedule from now until then is just ridiculous. Mm. But it's amazing.
2: You leave your your parents-in-law with a kind of brood of sixteen children <laughs> and a library. We have of no more time books. to have any more children. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Thank you so much for coming to chat to me today. It's been great. It's so lovely chatting to someone as honest and experienced and positive as you. Um, Really, really a real privilege. I'd highly recommend G's podcast. Happy mum, happy baby. It really is uplifting. It's fascinating and packed full of great insight into parents' lives. When I was listening to it, I I remembered those days when I was a new mum and all I wanted to do was talk to other mums about their experiences. I didn't care about World News. No. not at all but I did care a lot about other people's birth experiences and whether or not they were using dummies and yeah just so reassuring to have that honest conversation especially mm-hmm. when you're so so lonely I think as a, as a new mum Um, her her newest book Some Kind of Wonderful is great I read it earlier this year my only criticism is Mm -hmm. that because I couldn't put it down I did become very inefficient (laughs) (laughs) so if you want more podcasts it's basically G's fault because I couldn't couldn't do enough podcasts so no more no more books this year okay because otherwise (laughs) oh there is there's one in (laughs) January in November I'm so sorry (laughs) and Happy Mum Happy Baby the book is also fantastic I'd highly recommend those especially if you're in the baby stage I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, Please do subscribe to us at The Parenthood so that each new episode is automatically downloaded. And keep in touch with us via Instagram. We are at theparent.hood. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. Thanks, G, for coming. Thank you. And from both of us here today, goodbye.